Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and I'm excited to bring you guys the first episode of Volume 3 of the Steven Universe podcast. So we're fresh out of Comic-Con where Steven Universe creator Rebecca Sugar surprised everybody there in attendance with her announcement that Steven Universe, the movie, is coming to Cartoon Network. She also gave fans of the panel a look at an early teaser. So what better place to start a new volume of podcast episodes than with Rebecca and Ian Jones Cordy to talk about Comic-Con, break down the huge events that unfolded in the last arc of Steven Universe animated episodes, and also just what it all means for the characters moving forward. Because in the recent episodes, we've seen all kinds of stuff. We saw the Pink Diamond reveal, a huge battle, the return of Lapis and Bismuth, and a lot from Ruby and Sapphire. So let me welcome Rebecca Sugar and Ian Jones Cordy back to the podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here again. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah, of course. First off, I wanted to talk about, you know, just like with this latest run of episodes, just basically starting with the reveal of Rose Quartz and Pink Diamond and all of that. It's obviously making some waves. So uh, how does it feel to finally like tell this part of the story and see everybody's reactions? It's a relief to get to talk about this out loud. It's a little yeah. unreal. It's been a lot of years of mm-hmm. not being able to tell anyone. It's one of those things that uh, <laughs> it was such an open secret for the crew. At least I remember when we were in the uh, in the writing stages for the episodes, we would put a lot of Easter eggs in. You know, for us. Yeah. It, I mean, it has everything to do with how everyone is relating to each other mm-hmm. and how they feel about the past and what they want for the future. I, I mean, it was the sort of the spine of everything we were writing. So, and, and I would forget sometimes, like when I would see people react to episodes, I, I would forget that that was something that they didn't already know yeah. because it, it's like the missing piece that makes all of the things make sense. Yeah. Right. There's, it's a logical thread that kind of goes through all of the stories really. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, especially with um, Pearl's behavior and her behavior really affects every, everyone around her too. Yeah. And Garnet's, but everyone, Amethyst's behavior, everybody, <laughs> everybody's like quote unquote upbringing had to do with mm-hmm. this person who, had a very very specific yeah complex that we're st- we're actually we're still pretty much we're not done unpacking and i think that. um mm-hmm. anytime we talked about rose in the show we always had it directly relate to this part of her story and that was a lot of the it was the missing piece a lot of people could tell there was something weird going on with rose and you know, there were a lot of things we explained about her character and her powers. And, you know, it seemed she always seemed, I think, to people who because nobody knew. And I think a lot of people were like, wow, Rose was so overpowered. Right, she's really like, OP. How did, <laughs> yeah, she's so OP. Like, how did she have all these powers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also just. Oh, I mean, I love writing for Rose because there's so much behind her. The person she wants to be, I and mean, Rose is the person she wants to be so badly, and she's not 
always really good at it, which is something that really comes to light and we need to talk. Yeah. She's she's very ambitious about being this person that really cares about people. <laughs> it's really difficult for her. So does she you think she just doesn't understand like empathy? She's trying. She's always right. really trying. But it's hard for somebody uh with that much power, you know, to get that. And I think mm-hmm. she got the closest of you know. Well, and with I think there's a big piece that people don't have yet. Yes, that's about true. why she's like this, which I can't talk about yet. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. So then why was right now, like when you guys were playing out the arcs and stuff, why was this moment the time to reveal everything instead of, you know, I don't know, like season three or four or whatever? We had to lay a lot of pipe to get here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, talking about how deep this sort of goes with the story, I mean, um, to just go back to sort of how it came together planning wise, when we were first planning the full scope of the show... It was uh, Rebecca, Ben Levin, and Matt Burnett, and me. We were in a room, and we had a lot of the different pieces, and we started to put them together into a story. I remember um, one of the things I really wanted to talk about at the time is um, I'm a son of immigrants, Mm. and, uh, you know, I think a lot of immigrant families have an experience of maybe someone... Uh, leaving the family, going to a new country and reinventing themselves. And it's something that has definitely happened in my family and I've seen happen in other families too. And it's not something that is specific to immigrants. I've even seen, you know, I've had friends who's, you know, oh, you know, my brother just, he went off and he started a new life and he tried to reinvent himself as a new person. And that was kind of something that we wanted to... um talk about um the idea of you know what happens when you try to escape that baggage by becoming a new person i remember coming up with a lot of this in the basement of our old place yeah um and there was definitely a lot of inspiration from your family from ian's family because it was really interesting that your your family's like extremely influential but still their family yeah. And they have conflicts and connections that a family would have, mm-hmm. even though what they're doing was, you know, completely moving mountains in terms of what was happening in Ghana and what, and at the time of independence. And it's just really fascinating yeah. to suddenly get to know you when we were sort of first getting to know each other and hear the story of how I just ground it in like real people that I was suddenly getting to know that yeah. have so much mm-hmm. incredible influence. I just thought it was really fascinating. And I think ultimately we're kind of telling the story with this show of a, of a family and that can't necessarily be separated from this incredible legacy that can shape a whole society. Right. Or is even, that, no, that's not too far. I think it's, uh, yeah, what Rebecca's, uh, alluding to is, yeah, my, uh, my parents immigrated from Ghana. My grandmother was the designer of the Ghanaian flag. Oh, wow. Uh, my grandfather, you know, was an activist and a politician who was, you know, instrumental in a coup that was like uh, gaining independence for Ghana. And sort of a lot of my family members were part of this and went on to become, you know, large figures 
in the country and and do a lot of really developmental things. And I kind of came from this background of, you know, growing up, it was always these larger than life figures uh, sort of, mm. you know, in my family. And I think when I was telling Rebecca about it, maybe to you, it sounded, it seemed like, wow, th- those people are just like your, you know, your grandparents. And it's just <laughs> like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, and they're, but they're just a family like anybody else. And, you mm-hmm. know, and I think sort of the story of the show is kind of like, you know, people might have a lot of power, or a lot of responsibility or, you know, we're really have a big legacy, but at, at the end of the day, they're, they're people and they have emotions and, you know, conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I never really thought about this, but when we were very, at the very beginning of the show was the first time I went to Ghana with you. I think it was between the pilot and the show. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting, informative and an experience I will never forget (laughs) (laughs) Um, in in terms of being, being in a new place, being in a new place. And and I had never been out of the country before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This feeling of, Suddenly, but yeah, the, the story was kind of like you know, uh, a lot of times people have asked me like, oh, how do you feel about Stephen? And I say, you know, for years I've been like, oh yeah, that show is very personal yeah. to me, <laughs> right? And people be like, oh right, because you know y- y- you have your OC is Sapphire, so it's personal, and it's like I couldn't tell them that like no, there's this kind of whole you know core to the story that yeah, right. Your whole uh, life story is a, a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's actually incredible. I I never would have even thought about that. That's amazing. But I think a lot of a lot of immigrants and children of immigrants, you know, can uh, see themselves sort of, you know, in the story, and it's kind of why we, you know, like we put the pizza family in there. So. Right. That's the most literal one. That's like Nanafwa is literally yeah. your yeah. grandmother. I, I remember yeah. like reading something about that about Nanafwa being. Uh, based on your family right yeah yeah so i figured that was just yeah but no it's it's instrumental in the whole show that's that's amazing yeah not everything that's the most one-to-one yeah. and kiki and jenny who are really your cousins <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah oh nice that's awesome the uh one of the other this is you know obviously unrelated but off the heels of that story it's like the whole reveal of all of this happening when it finally you know the other shoe finally dropped and in a single pale rose what was it like planning out how you were going to do that reveal since it had all of this this history and like was it I don't know I feel like it would be really stressful trying to think of the right way to frame it well, we had a really long time to come up with that story right yes right. and it, it's a real amalgamation of a lot of different ideas that we had that had been floating around since the very beginning like the mm. idea of Stephen going inside of Pearl's Pearl was maybe I think it was like the third story we wrote. Yeah, it was one of the earliest stories ever. Mm -hmm. We had a story idea where they were on a dangerous mission. Pearl stashes Steven in her pearl. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he would be stuck inside there. And he would be he would be next to a row of uh, spears. And right, which we did. Which we did. <laughs> and every and it, there was going to be I like that was part of the early. There yeah. was going to be a funny thing where he like gets lost and Pearl's on the outside fighting a monster and every time she th- she throws a spear at the monster, the spears shoot up and disappear. Right. And then I think Steven was going to get out by like grabbing onto one of the spears 
and then like getting shot out on it or something. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. Been so I can't glad you remember it. Uh, <laughs> it we, six years ago. I know. And we ended up using a piece of that story for Monster Buddies, right? Oh, that well, Steven gets bubbled away. Where he gets bubbled. Mm. That we, yeah, we ended up kind of using a, a, like a little bit of the, the setup of, oh, they're in a fight. They need to get Steven out of there. Right. But going inside, going inside Pearl's Pearl was like one of our absolute earliest story ideas. Yeah, there was, there was a mix. There was another very early idea about Pearl being in her room, uh, transforming into Rose in order yeah. to see her again, mm-hmm. which evolved into oh, no. sort of what had ha- what happened. Yep. That And that, we had the name. <laughs> yes. We actually had the name of the episode, maybe, or close to it. Also, probably, around, that was season one. Yeah, that's why, yeah. It's funny to sit on an episode name for, you know, five, yeah. five years we yeah. had it that early, because we knew, we always knew she was going to, she had an issue with turning into her. And that she was um, going to be a single pale Rose. But it changed was, a little yeah. bit what exactly that was. So, yeah, it all kind of came together. One of the nice things about writing these later episodes and finally paying off a lot of what we set up is that we had explored so many different ways to tell each of these stories over all of these years that when it finally came time to do it, we just had this, like, trove of concepts to pull from. Like, all right, we're finally going to do this thing, Mm -hmm. but we'll do it like this because that'll be the most efficient way to... Yeah. Like, we we were just, like, grabbing all this stuff that was on the cutting room floor from earlier and being like, well, we always want to do this. We're finally going to do this. I think the the thing that put it over the top you know, when we, you guys were finally outlining the story was the uh, recursive Pearl concept uh, that, right. that that would be the way that we go deeper and deeper. Yeah. And we knew I think we knew that she was repressing all of these things. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, that's yeah. another question we ask ourselves very often is sort of how do we how do we show something instead of just talking about it? Yeah. You know, so visual metaphors, I think. Are, are critical, especially in animation. You want to yeah. see, you want to see, you want to see it. You don't want to just right. watch someone yak about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's I don't know. yeah. That's what I was thinking about. Was like the, with the repressed, like the amount of repressed memories and things. Do you know how early that idea dated back? Oh my gosh, we knew she couldn't talk about it. I think it's very early that she started. We started doing the reflex of her yep, of her covering her covering mouth. her mouth. Yeah, I think in the in the earliest iterations, it was a little less literal. It was just, and this was something that I think is true for a lot of, um, a lot of them. Is just that the Crystal Gems were very excited to have Stephen because he had no preconceived notions of what mm-hmm. their gem types should or shouldn't be. So early on, I think when we were writing the show, it was more that. Everyone was kind of presenting themselves to Stephen uh, as they are and kind of uh, enjoying the fact that he doesn't th- think that they mean anything in particular, which yeah. is why Pearl gets so upset when Peridot kind of exposes the fact that she's a Pearl. Exactly. Garnet is, is not diffusing all the time because she likes Stephen thinks of her as her own person. Uh, I think the fact that she could literally not talk about it was a little bit of an evolution, but it made sense also. So. Yeah. In in the episode where... But we um, started that very early. Yeah. In the episode where Pearl is excited to show Stephen Rose's Batcave, and Stephen already knows it, and, and you know... Oh, um, yeah. Batcave? I gotta, I gotta ask. Batcave? Oh, well... Yeah. The, yeah. Um, is that what they call... Is that what you guys call it internally? Yes. <laughs> Lion 2. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know well, the, the well, it shows up before Lion 2. No, no, it shows up in Lion, in Lion 2. 2. And, then and then they go back to it in Scabbard. And Rose's Scabbard. Yes. But yeah, I mean, 
Right. Uh, oh yeah, we haven't ever unpacked. Oh, yes. That. Oh, that's true. We've never gotten to talk We've never about, been it. To talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, Rose is Batman. Some people have certainly figured it out. Yeah. It, but it's very obvious. Pearl is Alfred. If Alfred were in love with Batman, mm-hmm. but not Bruce Wayne. That's an important distinction. That is an important distinction. Uh, she loves Batman. She loves Batman. <laughs> uh, yeah. And basically, like we had, we were we were calling it a lot of different things because, um, okay, so so that cave is specifically kind of based off of the Bat Cave. And also the cave in Mask of Zorro, mm-hmm, where Zorro, yeah. where Zorro is training, right? Where Anthony Hopkins trains Antonio yeah, Bandera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, what's it called? We used to also call it El Cabang. What? I don't remember that. You don't remember that? No. You don't remember that? Wait, the place El, El Cabang? No, no, not the place. I remember because <laughs> it was like, you know, Quick Draw McGraw becomes El Cabang. Yes. And uh, we were like, yeah, basically, you know. Oh, uh, oh we pink. call it Rose El Capone. Yeah, we would call it, like, you know, she had, like, this these days where... And that's why in... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going into a lot of topics. <laughs> but that's why in that's why in uh, The Answer, the way that she shows up and then disappears is so funny. Because she just shows up and she's like, um, bye. Because <laughs> we were like, oh, she has this secret identity and she's just really excited about it. And then she's got to like, get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> she's not great at this whole thing. No, you know? no. It's really ridiculous. That's what's but, so, I think, yeah. you know, also it's like cute that they're. Yeah. They're always together. Like it's, they're always together. They're always it's together. really yeah. obvious. It's so obvious. Um, <laughs> it would be like if Alfred showed up on missions with Batman. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I was like, I'm going to fight too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which I'll would fight be, Master Wayne. Which would be great. <laughs> yeah, I love that it. would be amazing. I, and there was like, there was so much. I mean, but yeah, but to go back to that cave, yeah, that was basically like her secret base of operations, which is, which is mm. literally why we put the giant penny in there. Right, yeah. Well, we had a lot of discussions about that. Joe did, Joe uh, did that. Yeah, one. Joe put it in, yeah. and we were like, look, the semiotics of putting a giant penny in a cave, you know, we got to keep it in. And I think a lot of people picked up on that, which is like what we were trying to say with that giant penny was this is a secret identity. Mm. And if you know... You know, if you kind of know th- those references, I've seen. I saw someone. Yeah, people picked up on almost it. completely mm-hmm. nail it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think mostly because of the penny. And you know, there there was a thing that uh, very early on, Matt Burnett was always really big on, which is you know, you don't want the audience to say this came out of nowhere. You want them to say, "I knew it the whole time." Mm. It's so much more fun. And so that's why we started putting all the clues in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Little breadcrumbs. Yeah. I mean, and and our whole deal with clues was, let's just be as obvious as possible because it's fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think also it was just, we were thinking about it all the time. There's some things where, that are cropping up now. Yeah. Where people are saying, was this foreshadowing? Where it was just, it was just, we were working on all the stories at mm-hmm. the same time. So yeah. stuff was kind of bleeding into it, each other. And, and we, stories is... Yeah, I mean, we would just natural. we would just write in things about uh, Rose being pink, but just not say that fact. But we would say everything around it. Yeah, you know? and that was just how we wrote because that was the internal logic, and and everybody knew. I mean, once you came on as part of the story team, that was like that's like the first thing we that was like the first thing we fill would everybody tell in on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to see people pick on uh, pick up on the um, 
the stuff, like the the little hints that were in stuff. Yeah. But to me, the exciting part is what it means for all of them as characters, like the the way that they are. Yep. Like, and the way that Rose acted toward them. Like, there's a big. I think it's very subtle because it's never actually spoken. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with the relationship between Rose and Amethyst, because yep. Amethyst is everything that Rose would have wanted to be. Like, yeah. a com- mm. complete no. No preconceived notion of anything that she's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. She can do anything she wants. And Rose to her is just like, oh my gosh, this this person will grow up without any of yeah. this baggage that I had. All of And so the, she kept her completely yeah. in the dark about everything she was, you know, she has to find this stuff out from, from Peridot, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I think that's like so true to a brand of hippie parenting where it's just like everything is open to you and it's kind of like that parenting when you you don't tell your kids everything about who you used to be before you had them and you hope that will be better for them but in the long mm -hmm. run you know for amethyst it sort of it did create a lot of issues but rose is a parent that's coming up rose is a parent figure that's going to make a little more sense yeah and i think also yeah with with the three main gems you can really see the way that their personalities came from how they knew rose you know yeah pearl's neurotic nature is because she knew this deep thing Mm -hmm. garnet's straightforward you know ask no questions nature uh leading stuff being part of the fight is because she knew Rose as a fighter and, yeah. and a leader. And because Rose, I think, trusted her and deferred to her on the regular. Exactly. You know, she really... Yeah. And Amethyst's sort of, you know, flexible nature kind of came from only knowing them way after, like, that right. conflict was over. And being encouraged yeah. to be very fluid and, yeah. to, and to have really no restrictions whatsoever. Yeah. And it all, it basically all derives from their relationships with rose and pink yeah yeah but ultimately it's better to understand why right okay i i think this is a good place to transition into talking about the heart of the crystal gems arc so we're going to get to ruby and sapphire and bismuth's return with rebecca sugar and ian jones cordy coming up So I'm back with Ian and Rebecca. And uh, yeah, so we're going to keep talking about Heart of the Crystal Gems now. So first up, I wanted to talk about Garnet Split, which is obviously, you know, this has happened before, but this one was unique in that it was Sapphire who who seemed more deeply hurt than than Ruby. So can you talk about like that and why why do you think that happened? Well, Sapphire is extremely perceptive and can look into the future. I mean, she has powers of perception, but she trusted Rose so completely that she never did that. And to have her trust mm-hmm. violated, I think, you know, she felt she felt incredibly foolish. And I think Sapphire sees it as her responsibility in the relationship to be the one that's really aware because uh, Ruby is, I think, relatively myopic compared to her just because she, she has perceptive powers. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. to have allowed herself to be tricked by someone, I think, you know, she kind of sees her whole function. You know, she's, there's one thing that Sapphire can do to protect them as a couple. Yeah. And that's to know what's happening. And I also think there's another thing that's almost a little unspoken, which is, you know, because Sapphire is so perceptive and can see things in the future. It's almost like Rose 
took advantage of the blind spot in her powers because she can't look at the past. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. feels like so much more of a betrayal because that's literally, you know, the that's literally like she's got this perception, but that is literally like the blind spot in that power. Yeah. You know, and it feels it feels like really underhanded. So you so like she wouldn't be able to look at Rose's past, you mean? No. no. I mean, I don't think she can't look at the past. No. She can't really look back. She could have maybe looked into her, seen the things that she was going to do and mm. infer things about her past, but right. she never did that. Well, she was very ready to believe. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that makes it feel so insidious is that this all became part of this whirlwind romance that she was having. And I think the idea that this person would use Sapphire's excitement over being in love with someone in order to avoid being found out. Like, yes. I think that's how mm-hmm. she feels about it. It's like this idea that we should never question anything. You know, it seemed like something that was extremely romantic, but now in hindsight was just... Yeah, it's actually... Rose avoiding mm-hmm. being caught by someone who really has has the power to do that, uh, but is mm-hmm. sort of turning it into some... And Sapphire is not very emotional, but like the the one thing she's really emotional about has become tied to this. It's, yeah. She just, I think she felt very... I feel like also, you used. know... Speaking, yeah, speaking from from my sapphire seat, I think if you're, <laughs> if you're like the kind of person who you feel like you have everything under control, like sapphire does, when something upsets that control, I think you're more likely to be frustrated at it. You know, mm-hmm. Ruby, on the other hand, is a little more adaptable because that's kind of like her whole purpose was to be this bodyguard that's ready for everything that's doing all these crazy flips you know Mm -hmm. but like sapphire's whole thing was like i'm very in control i know what's gonna happen you know i know what my life is that's what she's bringing to the table mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ruby's not i think the the idea that there was some big thing about a person that ruby wouldn't know i mean i think that's almost always true yeah exactly. so she's not you know <laughs> yeah, that, freaking out about that she's like oh someone didn't tell me something so i didn't know that thing there's no way that she would she's not because as a bodyguard that was never her job to to know right. to know everything about what was going on that was sapphire's job yeah. and so mm-hmm. to feel that lack of control to feel that get taken away i think it's a huge betrayal to sapphire yeah Ruby's arc was really fun to see as well, and I uh, I wanted to ask about the episode, The Question, mm-hmm. um, just like what your inspiration was for that in particular. <laughs> oh. That story. Well, some of it's very literal. I, I uh-huh. actually, it was my 29th birthday. I actually went out to uh, Joshua Tree <laughs> with my brother. Well, this was the thing. There was So this was this year. So uh, what year was that? 2016? Yeah, maybe. twenty. No, 2015? I think it was 2016. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, they had the OKKO OK Game Jam on Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> and then they had the OKKO OK Animation Jam on my birthday. Yeah. And I, it felt like Cartoon oh. Network was like conspiring to destroy our relationship. Because <laughs> um, we didn't get to hang out with each other at all. Uh-huh. Uh, so I had already planned to Aww. go out to Joshua Tree on my birthday. Yeah, we were going to go. And you then were busy. I and of course, of course, I can appreciate having show stuff to do so it was yeah. totally fine but i yeah. went out with my brother which was great and me and ian are very often joined mm-hmm. at the hip so it was, i was like yeah. it'll it'll be great i'll have some time some time being alone with steven in the <laughs> desert in the desert um and i managed to get us completely lost in the desert <laughs> um drive the car into a ditch in the oh middle of nowhere in the in the night and i was not very together 
But it was great. I mean, I think, you know, I needed some time to think. And Stephen was a, a pillar of strength while I yeah. was flipping out because I drove the car into a mm-hmm. ditch. So actually, the, the most literal thing is when she jumps off that cliff. Yeah, yeah, when she jumps off that cliff. That was. <laughs> it's like, actually the most true to life. Because you guys basically drove I over basically a cliff. drove off a, yeah, over a cliff by accident. <laughs> Gosh. Um, but I think the, the, the thing that, uh, again, like, you know, there's always these things that really bring the story together was really realizing that Ruby needed to be able to make the choice and that she needed to be able to, you know, feel things for herself. Yeah. But there's also... that out. What does it mean? There's also, like, a period of, you know, reinvention that you can have when you, you know, kind of just take some time to yourself and really, you know, kind of think about what's important to you. Yeah. And I think it was important right. for us to show that Ruby could have that. Yeah. So what was the significance then of them choosing to be together, you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's too personal. Let's talk yeah. about something else. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. But uh, I would say, you know, the thing, the thing that's important there is just um, with the characters, with the specific characters of Ruby and Sapphire, you know, they really did choose to be together when we first saw them meet in the answer. But then it's mm. almost like their union got a little overshadowed by somebody else asking them to stay together. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was sort of circumstantial. And yeah. I, I think when you do get together when you're very young and then you change a lot as people while you're together. Yeah. You sort of feel like, you know, oh, it was the original. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, Sorry. You, you grow together. <laughs> And then you you have to think about the original reasons, you know, why you're together. And, you know, that's really... Uh, and that's the best... The, you need to be able to keep changing as a person. It yeah. would be really scary to be locked in a situation. It's not a bad thing to yeah. have been several different people while you're together. I, th- I think that's... So they have to a, reroute that in their minds mm, as their strength yeah. and not their weakness. And, and this was a real big sort of development for Ruby because as a Ruby, you're never expected to be on your own. Mm. And uh, to see Ruby actually be on her own for once and be like, oh, it's not so bad. You know, um, right? you know, she got to basically enjoy being alone, but then also enjoy getting to make the decision you know, to be with someone else. And I think that's something that, you know, we all should do is sort of like, you know, look at look at your situation and think about the things that you're doing and take a step back and sort of be like, you know, this is my decision. I was learning a lot at the time about differentiation, which is this idea that in a a relationship with someone, you're sort of cultivating each other as different people, yourself as a different person and not not actually fusing together into a, a yeah. single entity, but the, the most important part of it is that you you have to feel like what you're doing is constantly a mutual decision. Like you're not being dragged along by some other person into something that you didn't agree to do. Mm-hmm. And if you're really attached to someone, it can start to feel like you're kind of along for the ride and you don't have any control. And you like can, you're kind of losing that autonomy. Almost yeah, a little you're bit. not making the And choice. it's scary because you can resent the person that you love for that lack of control over yourself. But the thing is that you can still do all all of the exact same things as long as you are deciding to do those things, you know, with that person Mm -hmm. or for that person. And so what it really comes down to is building a solidity in yourself so that you know that you're doing what you want. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. so much what this arc was about is just 
having to take the time to decide individually and together what they both actually want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, this is one other thing I wanted to ask about, uh, aside from that whole Ruby arc, is um, about like bismuth and how uh, Rose's whole reveal changed bismuth's, like her perspective on everything that had happened. This was another one where when we wrote, when, when <laughs> right, we were when coming we, up with bismuth. It was all so based on this fact. And, and I was surprised at the time because that was supposed to sort of crack everything open and show that Rose, there was something really mm-hmm. um, strange about exactly Rose's and, motivations. And that bismuth got a mm-hmm. raw deal. And that bismuth, yeah, that bismuth was this tragedy swept up in something that suddenly becomes very confusing but the thing is you know as for her return you know that was like it was always something that we had planned that you know this character was going to return at a point when it made sense um well i mean there's no it was already i think it was already strange to keep her in the bubble but ultimately what steven has to find out is that everyone is so yeah concerned with him and that he's start suddenly starting to be in a position where he's got to make a lot of these decisions for himself because yeah. no one wants to put him in a situation where he's going to be scared. Yeah, you know, so he kind of has to step up. Uh, there, I mean, there were so many things to unpack that were teed up yeah. in Bismuth. But I think the the main thing, and this is this is something that we never really get to show, but I think is. It's hinted. It's even in the game. Yeah, it's in the game, <laughs> which is which is canon. Yes, yeah. which is just canon. To save the light. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Bismuth loved Rose, really looked up to Rose. Yeah. And the thing to know about Rose is that Rose was saying awful things about the diamonds, especially Pink Diamond. Yeah. A hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Mm. The reason that Bismuth considers herself to be like this ultimate crystal gem is because she was following Rose's vitriol to, more exactly. to the letter than anybody else which exactly. is why she got so confused because she was like hey everything you're saying leads to this very very logical conclusion which yeah. is that we have to do this i have to be like your ultimate champion in this and then yeah. all of a sudden she gets struck down and i think you know rose because she was so hard on herself as pink because she had so much you know she wanted to run away from that life so bad you know, mm-hmm. she like overstated to to Bismuth, you know, as much as she could about how horrible Pink was. And, I, this you is, know, yeah, it's something that this is very much in the margins, right. but it's all there because when yeah. you hear Garnet tell the story, that's the story that Rose told. Yeah. And when when Garnet, this is like in your mother and mine, the story mm-hmm. that Rose would tell was about this cowardly, horrible monster. Yeah, this manipulative, cackling right. evil. You know, but yeah. Garnet isn't isn't making that up. Garnet never saw that person. I mean, you see yeah. Pink, and she's like a dork. <laughs> yeah. she, you know, this this I'm is that too much? To no, say? no, no. It's not too much to say. Um, she's, you know, yeah. But this is what this is what Rose was telling everyone, and I and I this is very subtle, but I kind of want people to be aware that this is like a character that put herself in a situation where everyone around her was saying, destroy yourself. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, mm-hmm. and she made that reality for herself. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And, and, and tried to like, mm-hmm. tried to leave that behind as much as possible. Uh, and I, I'm not, I'm trying not to color this with any right or wrong here. I'm just saying that this is what this character did. This is did. what the character did. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times we would approach Bismuth as almost like a, we write her kind of like a 
soldier who kind of is trying to figure out that the war is over, who Mm -hmm. has been put through a lot and, you know, has this way of thinking that was given to her. And now she's at loose ends and it's, you know, it makes things tough for her. Yeah. I mean, she's a she's a champion for this cause and the cause Mm -hmm. and and a person who betrayed her, which is complicated. Ultimately, Bismuth, Bismuth's thing, I think, is that she cares about her friends more than anyone. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. she cares about protecting and defending and fighting for these people that she loves, including Rose, which is why the whole thing was so confusing. Yeah. And now that she gets to now that now that she is and it was back, she can defend yeah. them. And it was confusing for Stephen too, which yeah. is why it it never seemed like the right time until there's more information. Yeah, just to give the closure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, San Diego Comic Con was just last weekend, and Stephen Universe had a lot going on. So coming up. Rebecca and Ian are going to share their Comic-Con experience with us, and we're going to talk about some big announcements that we made there. So, yeah, coming right up. All right, we're back with Ian and Rebecca. Uh, So, Stephen had a huge Comic-Con presence this year with, like, the booth and the Dove partnership and the huge Stephen panel. So, like, what what were the big highlights for you guys? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean... The panel was great. The panel was great. I think just finally getting to talk about the fact that we're working on the movie yeah. because <laughs> working so hard on this thing <laughs> i'm really glad that yeah. people know that it's happening mm-hmm. um that's a big relief and to show legs because that's a huge episode i'm so excited mm-hmm. for people to learn more about the movie um i mentioned it but yeah i i finally get to rejoin Inc- the Inc- universe back and Wrote and did some writing for I did, nice. Yeah, I joined the story team and, you know, we hashed out this story and I wish I could talk about it, but, you know, we'll just have to, we'll just have to wait. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. I have no idea what to expect, but I mean, it seems like we're pulling out all the stops. So that's awesome. The Dove thing was really cool too. Just in general, how's that been for you guys? I've been really excited to work with Chromosphere. I love this studio. Um, Kevin, our original art director, runs Chromosphere. And then Jasmine, also one of our art directors, is there. And Osong. And just the artists involved are They've incre- been directing incredible. all the shorts and the music video yeah. for the, for the yeah. project. I got and... to work with Elizabeth Ito. I got to work with Tiffany Ford. Yeah. I've been working with Lamar. I just the artists involved are great and then also getting to do basically like a who's who of the cast of of the show having them all come in and you know do something a little different has been great yeah that part's been really nice Mm -hmm. it was really fun seeing behind the scenes (laughs) like it's all like a movie set or something yeah yeah it's that simple (laughs) i love it yeah actor au (laughs) yes i love it ian i i heard that you guys were in a panel that brought together a bunch of different uh creators from cn and now you guys are doing like a crossover episode yes what 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 is that so yeah um for uh my show okko we're doing a huge crossover episode called crossover nexus and um one of the things that you know i love cartoon crossovers i know you do too rebecca yeah yeah they're always really fun (laughs) and you know uh I'm in a unique position because I've, I w- work on two of the current Cartoon Network shows. And so I think I'm, I think I ended up being like the perfect person to do a project like this 
Um, and yeah, the, the, you know, the whole idea is basically, uh, you know, there were all those fun, uh, Cartoon Network, you know, in like the late nineties, early two thousands used to do all these fun crossovers. Like there was like that CN invaded crossover with all the alien stuff. There was that grim adventures of the kids next door, and that was super fun. And like Ed and Eddie made a special appearance in that. And then there were all those like, uh, I mean, this is, we're going into Cartoon Network lore here, <laughs> but like there used to be those Cartoon Network city bumps, uh, the where bumpers, all the, yeah. yeah, where all the characters were together in like a continuous world and kind of like the idea is to sort of, you know, uh, you know, I think, uh, a lot of kids maybe who are watching Cartoon Network now haven't gotten to have that experience and so i really just wanted to create that and also you know really um i just really wanted to do a thing with garnet in it (laughs) you know uh we had always thought like oh garnet and ko would be would have really cute uh chemistry because for sure ko would remind garnet of ruby so (laughs) oh yeah i hadn't even thought about that i thought garnet would just be like uh well, I guess I've adopted another son. You know, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I think, yeah, Kayla yeah. <laughs> is sort of between Stephen and Ruby, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, you know, he's he's a mm-hmm. sweet little boy. So, And I think Garnet would, would want to be friends with him. For sure, no question. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, what kind of notes do you give him when you're uh, when he's implementing Garnet into the, the crossover? Um, oh, just little things she would say and, and mannerisms. Yeah. You know, it, we made Garnet together. Mm-hmm. So right. <laughs> there's like yeah. not a huge amount uh, that I have to do to make her on show because she's ours. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Um, and when we were talking to the storyboard artists for the episode, a lot of them were like, oh, we're, you know, we love this character. We're not quite sure how to write her. And I was like, well, here's the thing. Garnet never asked questions. And then they were instantly like, oh, we get it. Like it became r- really simple, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's uh, it's really fun. I'm really excited for you all to see it. It's it's big and and also small. It's it's a fun like little story, and it's also goofy in the way that those crossovers can be. Um, though I will say, if you're a fan of Garnet, uh, we're going to be re- revealing a, a little canon thing about Garnet in in the special uh, that has never been said before. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, yeah, I'd be excited <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so when you're doing that, do you do you get uh, input from all the different show creators to, to make sure everybody's staying on the show? Yeah, it was a huge collaboration. We had a, we had a uh, massive pitch where we invited all the different show creators and all... And um, a lot of the crews from all the different shows. And then we got um, feedback from all of them. Uh, at our first pitch, we made sure we invited uh, people from the other teams and got notes on, you know, things they would say, things they wouldn't say. Um, and then the other really fun thing was we got all of the original voice actors from all of those shows. Mm. And they know the characters really well. So, you know, there's a lot of really fun ad libs where... You know, they say things that relate to their worlds and, you know, it's just it was just uh, it was just really fun. That's awesome. 
Yeah, there's a, there looks like there's a lot to look forward to in <laughs> in cartoons right now. So it's it's an exciting time. I can't wait for you guys to see it. It's it's fun and it's goofy and it's it's exciting. So I think you'll like it. Yeah. If especially if you're especially if you're like a deep Cartoon Network nerd like I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, thank you guys so much for coming on and talking to me again. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. The Steven Universe podcast is produced by Stacey Para, Charles Abadje, and Conrad Montgomery. Special thanks to Rob Sorcher, Cartoon Network Studios, The Crew Universe, and Turner Studios in Atlanta. Please subscribe to the Steven Universe podcast at Apple Podcasts so that you never miss an episode. And please leave us a five-star rating interview while you're there. We love your feedback. Or you can always listen on Google or Amazon smart speakers. Just say, hey, Google, or hey, Alexa, play the Steven Universe podcast. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and I will see you next time.